fellow. Well met. This is a podcast about characters at play and the imaginative players who create them. I'm your host, Mouse. And before we start our first episode, I want to talk about what we're all about. There are plenty of podcasts about role-playing games, the design, the development, the play, and the mechanics. This show is about the characters. If you play with tabletop games like Dungeons & Dragons or GURPS or Burning Wheel or Fate, etc., 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 if you do live-action role-play or if you do online RP, or if you do improv theater and a moment of inspiration creates a character who lives on in future sketches, if you do haunted houses or historical reenactments, escape the room scenarios or murder mysteries, and you create a unique character for that experience, I'm interested in you, and I'm interested in your character, and I want to hear from you. So, this week's guest is Chris Jock. Chris, I feel like I've met you before. I, I believe we have met um, in our home, like, every day for the last several years. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right, Chris. Um, I, I, we got married. Yes, we have been married, in fact, for some time now. Okay, so, all right. Enough goofing around. Yeah, you're you're my partner. We're wives. Yes. <laughs> um, Chris, who is your character? Um, my character. Well, I have many characters, but my character that I want to talk about today. Uh, you may know him. His name is Bosco, and uh, he's my character in the D and D campaign that uh, we play with our friends. Yeah, um, this is a Dungeons and Dragons uh, fifth edition campaign run by our friend Kathy, which is based on a musical album. Yeah, yeah, it's based it's on Strange Trails. Strange Trails by the band Lord Huron, which is kind of an interesting way to to structure a campaign. But uh, yeah, uh, t- t- tell us about Bosco. Well, uh, Bosco is a dragonborn. Um, and he is a bard because of course, (laughs) so he's like, he's kind of a, a slacker party boy type, um, irresponsible, uh, drinks too much, gets in trouble. A musical lizard boy. Yes. He is a musical lizard boy. I think about, um... Jim Morrison, when I think of Bosco, a little bit. Well, Bosco, not, not, not so not so self serious. And yeah, no, you know, Bosco can't wear leather pants because he can't pull them up over his enormous ankles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, where does Bosco come from? What is Bosco's backstory? Um, well, Bosco grew up uh, in a very serious place in the forest. Um, and the, the forest in this setting is, like, a very hostile location. Like, all the wild animals are, like, vicious and, uh, like, super-powered. Yeah, this is... Uh, the, the setting that, that all of our, our characters uh, live in is, is a very 
kind of like a fallen and corrupted world. Yeah, it's kind of like post-apocalyptic almost. Like there was a, a great uh, cataclysm that resulted in like there's a black star that can cause people to be raised from the dead. Um, and and the world is extremely hostile uh, as a result. And the nature and wilderness is extremely hostile. But Bosco's uh, home clan were druids in the forest and lived kind of like right in this extremely hostile environment that was constantly trying to kill them. Um, so they're very serious people who valued physical prowess and strength um, and spirituality. Like, those are pretty much the three things that were valuable. And Bosco had none of those. Okay, so I can imagine this culture, um, like, maybe in early 1900s, like, muscular Christianity like sort of a Teddy Roosevelt type of kind of <laughs> environment. yeah yeah I mean it was it was a little more um, like tribal at least as I imagined it because it was a very small mm-hmm. society um, and they're druids so they're, it's very shamanistic nature worshiping but Bosco it seems like he did did not fit in no like he was a runt he was a little guy. And, um, like, his only saving grace was the fact that, like, his mother was a well-respected hunter. Like, she was big and strong, and people respected her for it, so they cut her kids some slack. And she took care of him? She took care of him. She was a good mother. (laughs) Um, But his interest was always in music, and the only context for music in their culture was worship based but like his his mom was a hunter not a shaman so okay so uh sacred music was important but he didn't have any way to connect with that yeah i mean he wasn't particularly spiritual himself like maybe he was considerably less spiritual than many of his acquaintances and neighbors and family members so okay so um what happened Well, um, his mother was, I mean, as I mentioned, she was a hunter, um, and one, on one journey or adventure, um, she just disappeared in the woods and didn't come back. That's awful. Yeah, so he was kind of on his own after that, and once his people realized that his mother probably wasn't coming back, um, he kind of lost his protected status in the group and was gradually pushed into more and more menial tasks and roles until he was like at a point where he was kind of in the like maybe most detested underclass where like even touching sacred objects would be a banishable offense and that was around the point where he decided that he was going to um take a musical instrument because he wanted something. Mm-hmm. Um, so he snuck into uh, the home of one of the shamans and took a drum and he was found out immediately. 
and he got caught. He got caught, and uh, they banished him. They just threw him out, and that was to their people. That was effectively a death sentence. Like they assumed that he would probably be killed. Yeah, because they were they were they were very close knit community, and to it, be expelled was like you're gonna get eaten by a swamp monster. And yeah, that, that's and just that's that. You're going to be either eaten alive or. If you make it, you know, somewhere along the road, someone will kill you or take advantage of you. Like, the people in this world are not great either. And the, this Dragonborn clan was very suspicious of outsiders. So he's kicked out. He's out in the wild world. And he doesn't know what's going to happen to him. So what happens to him? Um, well, he ends up along the night road, which is a road through the forest. Um, and this was something that's established in the setting that our friend rode up. Um, but this road is like the one passageway that civilized people can take through the forest and have some expectation of not being murdered, though people will murder you on the night road. Like, you will get murdered by people and not not as likely wild animals. <laughs> um, but it's still safer than going into the woods. Um, so he ended up out on the night road, and a traveling caravan picked him up. Um, a caravan of entertainers? Or entertainers, musicians? yeah. Okay. Um, they felt sorry for him. Like, they heard his sob story and kind of fell for it. And one of the people he was riding with um, actually gave him a musical instrument. They had a set of panpipes. And uh, so they, they, like, taught him to play. And, um, that like, that was the first musical instrument he was really allowed to play. And that was really his to keep for himself. And he's he continues to keep it. That's like his his special item. Yeah, he um, he he wears it uh, on on sort of a, a a device that that hangs around his neck like like Bob Dylan's harmonica. Yeah, it's harmonica. like a harmonica <laughs> holder, you know. So it's like always right in front of his face. So like he can be like playing another instrument. Excuse me, like a um, like a drum or a lute or something. Like I think he has proficiency in a few different instruments, but. Yeah, he, he can, like, play the panpipes while he's playing other instruments. And I, I kind of think of it as, like, yeah, like playing a harmonica. Like, yeah, that's so. kind of the style. Yeah, he's he, this, is, this is kind of a heartbreaking and tragic backstory, but playing, playing in this campaign with you and playing with Bosco, like, Bosco's a, a, a party boy. He is a party boy. He completely... Um, it seems like at, at heart, he maybe wants to put his past behind him or Whoa. wants to live in the moment. Mm-hmm. But he, he, he does, he's a character that, that isn't really aggrieved by a lot of angst. Uh, no, I mean, at the point where um, we're playing in the campaign, it's been like 10 years since mm-hmm. he was thrown out. Like, he was, he was a child. So he was, like, only, like, maybe half-grown, like... Um, I think I said, like, his age was 19 when we started, and, um, yeah, it's like he was, like, maybe a young teenager or an older preteen when they threw him out, and Dragonborn's age, if 
faster than humans, so that would have been equivalent to being like a teenager, young teenager. Okay. And um, at some point um, before our campaign began, Bosco met my character. Yeah. <laughs> a cute little Rispin. You should tell them about Rispin. Yeah, I guess um, since this, this is our first episode, I should talk about uh, one, of, one of my characters, Rispin Clovar. <laughs> I love that name. Well, you say when I created her, um, I had heard an interview with uh, Crispin Glover, <laughs> and the name was, was fresh in my mind, so I decided that... Um, Clovar would be kind of a general name for kobolds, which are a race in Dungeons and Dragons that are kind of generally reptilian, but because I'm a big furry, I think of kobolds as like sort of waist high little 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 dog people. Yeah. And Clovar is like maybe like a Jones or a Smith. And this was the name given her because she was an orphan. She was orphaned at the steps of a human monastery that was devoted to kind of service to others, kindness and generosity. And she was raised as an acolyte in this sect to, yeah, basically be a servant. And... I modeled the monastery off of Mont-Saint-Michel, uh, north of Paris in, in France, which is basically it's, it's basically an island that in low tide is accessible by land, but during high tide is only accessible by boat. So you can really only get to the, get there like half of the half of the day. And um, her order, was a stopping point for travelers, basically. So uh, itinerant musicians or sex workers or entertainers and magicians and illusionists and hobos, basically. Hobos. (laughs) And, yeah, she she was raised as an acolyte and, and preparing herself for a life as a as a an impoverished monk. But there would be like the Elvis Presley and Forrest Gump who would come by and you know teach her a couple chords on the lute every time he was in town and there would be a poet who would come by and and and, and teach her teach her about uh, uh, about that and she got this 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 wanderlust and this this desire to express herself into kind of Leave the, the 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 confines of her monastic island, and she was visited by a retinue of a kingdom who was basically preparing to surrender to another kingdom, and they brought with them their their princess, who was basically going to live her life as a as a hostage to the dominant kingdom and this princess was brash and bold and a, a, a really dominant personality and she made fast friends with Rispin and the idea that someone so free and so strong was stopping over at her monastery Basically, in order to 
begin her life in captivity, like, infuriated her. And she was inspired to take up, uh, like, like to, to, to pack up and leave the monastic life and become a traveling musician. And this also coincided with the point at which she would have to... She, she was about to be of the age where she would take up her official vow as a monk, which means that she would have to live her life as a boy, which was the sex that she was assigned at birth based on, you know, her physical characteristics. But, um... And, and, and she wasn't really having that. So in order to, yeah, like, live her, uh, her honest truth as a girl and to do what she wanted to do, she had to leave. Yeah, she, she picked up a lute from uh, a, a traveling musician and went on the road. And along with uh, being a musician, she kind of wound up in uh, a, a wealthy city full of merchants and ended up doing sex work and and basically in the culture of this city like uh, arranged marriages between wealthy people was very common and virginity was kind of prized mm-hmm. so a, a, a merchant a wealthy merchant with a son would want want him to have experience Ah. Uh-huh while maintaining his virtue and since uh, Rispin was a kobold and since according to the prejudices she wasn't really a girl they would contract her to like teach teach the young men teach the young men um, so they wouldn't embarrass themselves on their wedding night but keep their virtue intact because technically Mm. they've never slept with a quote unquote real girl and she made some money uh, doing that, uh, and she was able to buy a motorcycle. And then when she got tired of that, she she moved on. And that's at some point uh, she she hooked up on the night road with uh, with old Bosco. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's kind of funny. Um, like I I knew your character's backstory already, but. Um, it is kind of interesting how they both came from, like, a more conservative religious background mm-hmm. and decided to choose a different life, whether they were somewhat forced or it was just um, their maybe it their was internal... Enforced, like, in her case, it was her internal motivation. It, but it, in Bosco's case, in, he was pushed yeah. out. It would have been an impossible life to live, uh, even though, yeah, she was in a safe and loving environment. It was an environment where she could be her authentic self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just found that interesting how there's there's some parallels there, even though they had very different lives. Yeah. Very different reasons for leaving those lives. And um, we actually, yeah, we didn't, when when we started the, the campaign, it's of course like all, all of our characters, not just ours, but of our, uh, the, the people playing the game with us, 
started in one place, but we've never role played how Rispin and Bosco got together. And I think as we've been playing, it's kind of an un- an understood situation that they're kind of a pair. They're kind of yeah. a team. They're buddies. Yeah, they've like they've been traveling together for a while. Yeah, and actually, in fact, um, Rispin kind of has a crush on Bosco. I think he's oblivious. Like, he does not even know. Like, he's like, we're such great friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like that she, makes that, I mean, that's that's so Bosco. <laughs> that's so Bosco to be totally oblivious to everything. Um, and Rispin, I mean, Rispin has a crush on everybody. She has a crush on Bosco, but, like, she also has a crush on Grexit, who is an NPC uh, created by our, our GM, who is a total asshole. <laughs> but she's a hot asshole. Yeah, I mean, she's a hot asshole. And, like, it, within the context of the game, it's like everyone thinks she's hot, like, by default. <laughs> but I don't know. It's like, um, it's sort of weird, like, even talking about these feelings in the context of a role-playing setting because we're separate characters, but Mm -hmm. we're married to each other. Yeah. (laughs) And within that context, I think it, it's natural. It feels natural for my character to have a crush on your character Mm -hmm. or to even just to kind of have a special bond, even if we're, we're really trying to role-play as totally separate individuals from ourselves like that's just Mm -hmm. going it's just going to kind of come up yeah um and it it hasn't been that important uh to not permit that in the game setting so yeah i mean it hasn't it's it's not harmful and it's fun like it's a fun flavor and it adds dimensions to our characters and And i still don't know what's going to happen like what if what if Rispin makes a pass at Bosco? How is he going to react? I, I'm looking at you, my <laughs> wife, in the eye right now, and I don't I don't know how you would react to that in yeah, the game. Like, I'm not really sure either, to be honest with you. Um, like Bosco is very much a like hedonistic free spirit um, who doesn't really have hangups about like sexuality at all so like I don't like he may just be cool with it but he'd be cagey about making it a relationship probably mm-hmm. because I don't think he's ever had anything like that like he's slept with people and like maybe had friends with benefits but not um like Best his, friends with benefits <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's like he hasn't like he hasn't had a girlfriend or boyfriend. Okay, this is say this is interesting. The next time we pick up the game, because uh, Rispin is on her her second death and res- <laughs> resurrection. <laughs> uh, the, yes, this 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 is a game setting where it is common for characters to be killed and resurrected, and that's that's actually a kind of a a, a state where I've been playing Rispin's character in a way that she reacts to dying and being resurrected as 
I think I would, which is experiencing that as an extremely traumatic yeah. and scarring event. And her personality changes with each resurrection. So I, I don't know. Maybe maybe get ready for, for some erratic behavior okay. from Rispin in the future. Okay. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm excited to, to, to play more, and I'm excited to, to grow more with, with, with you and, and your character. And I, I, I love uh, your, rowdy, your rowdy party boy, Bosco. He is a rowdy party boy, but we actually um, didn't talk about the fact that he cries literally all the time. Oh, that's really important. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that, this is one of my favorite traits that just came up kind of organically. Like, I didn't actually think about this when I first created him, but there was, like, some context where someone was telling him, like, a sob story, and he started, like, bawling, like, his like snot and tears just like running down his face and it's like I found this so funny that I kept doing it every time someone told him a sad story so it's like now a character trait it remains funny like he is <laughs> and he is so over like like burdened with an oversized sense of empathy yeah I mean he he cannot stand the idea of people being hurt or treated poorly and I think Kathy was counting on that with the um, jailbreak story that we just did because it was like <laughs> sort of our fault that like this NPC went to prison uh. and like consequently I think I was the main driving force who was like we have to save him like um, because Bo like Bosco cannot handle a world where someone goes to prison and there's like a little girl crying because her dad is in prison like he cannot handle a world where this happens <laughs> I don't know I think it turned out okay it worked out yeah but we'll, we'll see um, how we wrap up whenever the game restarts again <laughs> in another three or four weeks I don't know thanks Chris um, that about wraps that up so I'm going to take us to a segment that I would call uh, the Garden of Delights. And, and I, and I want to just recommend our listeners something, something lovely that I think you'd get a kick out of. And this, uh, this week's uh, pick is uh, the Backstory Podcast by Alex Roberts. And it's about uh, role-playing and LARPing and interviews with the designers of games. And it's really fantastic. And it was kind of the inspiration for the podcast you're listening to now. Um, and I want you to check that out. Um, and you can find that at oneshotpodcast.com slash backstory for the Backstory Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to Philomela for... I Am a Fire, our intro and outro music from the album Sapphire Chamber. Check out that excellence at their band camp. I will include that in the show notes. I am Mouse. You can find me on Twitter at Funny Animal Book. Um, if you want to engage with the show, uh, find us at uh, Hail Fellow Cast on um, Twitter and Tumblr and at Gmail. And until next week...
Be yourself. Love you.